Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about how to help our kids adapt to what is becoming the new normal with the coronavirus. And I did do an episode last week, so I wasn't going to do an episode this week about it, but it feels weird to talk about anything else because I know that we're kind of all getting inundated with information about this, but I want to provide help for this because a lot of us are raising kids with anxiety or OCD and have already had struggles and have kids already that can panic pretty easily. And a lot of us, because the apple doesn't always fall too far from the tree, have our own anxiety or OCD issues. And so this is beyond triggering for a lot of families, for my family, I'm sure for maybe many of your families. So I thought it would be helpful I was supposed to be away this week, (laughs) so that didn't happen. We were supposed to go on a cruise to Mexico. So as that was getting closer and closer, the probability of us taking that risk went smaller and smaller to, that's ridiculous. There's no way we can do that. And then we were supposed to just go up north to Lake Powell. I live in Arizona. And then um, all of the Navajo land closed down. And so we thought, what are we doing? So... I'm not doing anything this week. I have no work. I wasn't going to do a podcast. I was going to do a best of. I was going to do Dawn Hebner's episode where she talks about how to discuss um, hard things with kids. And it's actually a really good episode to catch up on. That's episode 136. Um, So definitely check that out. But I um, decided that it would be better to record a podcast about what to do now that we're trying to adapt, right? So last week, if you didn't catch it, um, episode 157, which just last week was about how to explain the coronavirus to your children. And I think for most of us, we're beyond that. We have probably already talked to our kids and now things are starting to change. Our kids are a lot of them not going to school and it kind of depends on where you live, this is kind of like a domino effect that is happening to us in waves. And so some people are further along on this coronavirus journey than others. And so we're all at kind of a different place, depending on what country you're living in and what area of the United States you live in. But I think eventually we're all going to wind up pretty much in the same exact boat. And so um, some of these things may seem not relevant to you right now, but like in three days, they might be super relevant. And some of you maybe have lived this for quite a while. And this is just a little extra help for what you've been going through for maybe a period of time. So um, I know that in Arizona and today is March 15th, 2020. I feel like I have to say the date in my podcast now because I feel like my attitude and what I'm saying can change on a day-to-day basis and, and our conversation will look different as this progresses. I feel like it already is a bit different from last week's episode. So I know, um, here in Arizona, as of today, which is Sunday, March 15th, my kids classes, their school has not 
closed. We're on technically spring break until Monday. And in Arizona, as of this recording, I think there's been like 30 school districts that have closed. And for some reason, so my daughter, my 16 year old, she's in a different school district than my other two, my eight and 10 year old, and neither of their school districts have closed, but I'm thinking that they will before Monday because that's the trend that's happening. But a lot of you have had school closures for a while now. Um, some of you that are not in the United States, probably for quite a while. And a lot of you, depending on what region you're living in have maybe have been dealing with this for a few weeks. So I know that we're all in different places, but that's impacting our kids. So I want to talk to you today about panic. I want to talk about how we help our kids with anxiety and OCD. I want to talk about routine. And I want to talk about reframing and shifting our perspective. So those are like the main areas I want to dive into. But before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. A lot of you will have more time to listen to my podcast and I will be providing ongoing support as things unfold. So hit subscribe. Um, These episodes come out every Tuesday as things happen in the news that I feel like will impact our kids. I'm going to give you my perspective. I'm going to give you my child therapy view on it and try to provide some therapeutic support for you in a virtual sort of way so that we can walk through this together. So don't forget to subscribe. And also I'm kind of binge listening to things that I have not been able to catch up on. And I'm signing up for courses that, cause I know I'm going to be around a lot more. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm hoping that I'm not going to be driving back and forth my kids to school anymore. I'm going to have a lot more downtime. So, uh, I just signed up for a course this morning, actually it's a 21 day course. And I thought I've got time for this, which is a silver lining. We'll talk about in a minute, but I do have a free course on misperceptions of, uh, OCD childhood OCD. And so if you have extra time, it's 30 minutes, it's free. You can take that. You can check that out in my online school. I have an online school where I have about, I think seven or eight online classes and just look for the one that says free and misperceptions of childhood OCD. You can visit atparentingsurvivalschool.com. That's atparentingsurvivalschool.com and check that out. Okay. Let's talk about where to start with this whole craziness that is happening. I kind of feel like when I wake up in the morning, I kind of feel like I'm in some sort of dystopia society. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I have to pinch myself and be like, is this really happening? That can be very unsettling. It can, it can kind of rock your foundation. And so if that's how we feel, you can imagine how our kids are going to feel. And I saw a really good meme on Facebook today. And it said something like, our kids aren't going to remember the coronavirus. And I don't know if I agree with that completely. Hopefully that's true. But what they are going to remember is the atmosphere that we provided in our home, how we handled it. What was the, like, what was the vibe in our house? And I thought that's so true. Like we set the tone for how this is going to go down in our family. And so I want to talk about how do we contain panic. Now, a lot of kids, surprisingly, with anxiety and OCD that I've been seeing in my practice and that I've been virtually seeing and my own kids are surprisingly doing well. So if you have a child who has an issue with health anxiety, or they have contamination around germs, they may not be doing nearly as well. This is very triggering for them. This is kind of their core fear. 
or kids who have a fear of dying um, or of you dying, these can be like very triggering times for them. But a lot of our kids who have other issues, like so my daughter, you know, her primary anxiety OCD issue is a fear of throw up, emetophobia, and um, the fear of having accidents in public and just pee themes. And my son has ARFID and, you know, sometimes food just looks weird or tastes weird and he has intrusive thoughts about his food. So it's really not impacting them right now because once my daughter heard that the likelihood of throwing up, that's not really one of the, you know, key symptoms of the coronavirus, she was good. (laughs) She's like, does it have throw up in it? Not so much. I'm not hearing about that. Okay, I'm fine. So what kids might be panicking about is the panic that they're seeing, and that can be overwhelming in and of itself. So they might be panicking that life is shifting. It's starting to look weird. Um, There's school closures. And even though a lot of our kids, a lot of our kids are probably doing a happy dance that they don't have to go to school anymore because a lot of our kids have school anxiety. The idea that this institution that stabilizes our society, like where they go and spend the bulk of their time will no longer be happening. That's very unnerving, not only for kids, but for us as well. So the other thing they might be seeing is people stocking up and all this talk about not having toilet paper or basic necessities. They might be hearing on the news that we can't go out. Don't go outside, avoid people, a social distancing language that we've never really even heard before. And they might be seeing people wearing gloves and masks outside, and that can be very unsettling. So I want to first start with how do you explain that to our kids? Because I really feel like even if you are panicking and a lot of this, I'm hoping this episode is not only to help your child, but I hope that it helps you too, because as a person myself with an anxiety disorder that has been very much in check for a really long time, anyone who has an anxiety disorder or OCD, this is the time where our anxiety or our, our OCD is like, it is party time. You've been keeping me quiet way too long. Your whole world is going upside down. I want a piece of this, right? So my husband has had to put me in check quite a lot. He's very underreactive in my opinion, um, which is kind of annoying, but that is a good yin and yang for my anxiety because he's, he's a good anchor for me. So I have had to keep my anxiety in check. Um, my kids have no idea of the kind of things that keep me up at night or the things that I bounce off my husband because he's my go-to person and I am not showing my kids this panic. I'm not venting to them. Um, and I'm communicating some, some healthy messages that I want to share with you because, uh, I am living, eating and breathing this with you. And so I'll tell you how I'm coping and how I am approaching it and how I'm, um, helping parents in my practice and online in my community to help their kids as well. So for all the closures, we want to let our kids know that the reason why everything is closing down is not because, you know, there is this deadly, horrible thing that's going around killing people, right? Because that's how it can feel like everything's looking deserted because we're all about to die. That's the level of fear that that kind of shutdown provokes in not only kids, but adults as well. We want to remind our kids, we want to say, you know, schools are closing down. 
restaurants might be closing down. I'm all about sprinkling a possible future reality because I want to preview what may be. So I've already told my kids about maybe two weeks ago, schools might be closing down so that I know when we eventually hopefully find out that their schools are closing, it's not going to be a big deal. We've already said to them, you know, we might just be hanging out for a few months. I've already told them that. And I say to them, it's because they just don't want, this thing is very contagious and they just don't want it to spread. And so if everybody got sick at the exact same time, it would overload the hospitals and we don't want to overload the hospitals. And so they're trying to have everybody stay away from each other and stay home so that the hospitals don't get overloaded and people don't get sick all at the same time. Because when we're together, we all get each other sick. So it's better to just stay home, keep our germs to ourselves so we can wait for the hospital to, to prepare and get ready so that if anybody who is getting sick needs help, they can help them. So that's how I've been explaining it to my kids. So they understand that these school closures are not because there's something imminent. And I think that that's the important thing is that we're trying to be proactive, although, you know, whatever, (laughs) could have maybe been a little bit more proactive, but that's what's happening right now. The other thing that I would mention is why there's no toilet paper, (laughs) why there are um, no supplies. So one thing that I would say, well, we'll get to this. I was going to talk about things to avoid. We'll get, we'll get into that in a second. Let me finish up on how to reframe the stockpiling situation going on. So that can be scary too, because a lot of kids that I'm hearing from are saying, you know, if there's nothing to worry about and you're telling me it's fine, everything's going to be okay, which I'm not using those words. I'm using very specific words, but some kids might say, why, why, why do the stores look scary? You know, why are there no supplies out there? What's happening? And so I've explained that to my kids as well, that when everybody panics at the same time, they start to think what supplies they'll need. They know that we're not going to be able to go out for a while. They know that we're going to probably try to avoid each other. And so everybody's stocking up. But when everybody's stocking up at the same time, that makes a shortage, you know, so that where everybody's stocking up on toilet paper, because apparently they all think they're going to have to wipe the butts a lot, you know, but it doesn't mean that there's a lack of toilet paper. In fact, the toilet paper companies are probably like, woohoo, you know, this is um, a really kind of unique, fun time for us. We should all buy stock in toilet paper and cough medicine. So those people, you know, those companies, this is what I'm telling my kids, right? They're still manufacturing that stuff and it's still going to be available. And in fact, we went to Walmart yesterday and they were trying to put toilet paper on the shelves, but people kept grabbing them. And so every, every day they're putting more toilet paper out and then just people are taking them. So it's not like there's a current shortage. It's just every time they restock these things, people are taking them, but that will eventually calm down. So even if you don't believe that yourself, we do have to convey these things to our kids because I have been talking to a couple, well, not a couple, but quite a few parents who are very caught up in their own anxiety. And if I post something online or I say something, people are quick to say, that's not true though, you know, and da, 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 and they, they start to be an alarmist and it's okay if you want to choose to be an alarmist in your head, but it's really not okay to be an alarmist to your kids because regardless of what you think or what the reality is, it's not going to help your kids to panic with them or to share your panic and make it contagious. That's well, probably a bad analogy nowadays <laughs> to spread your panic to them. So fake it till you make it. 
because really we have to be a rock for our kids. We cannot let our anxiety crumble our kids because they are just children. They don't need to have your doom and gloom perspective. I prefer to really truly do the deep work and, and try and try to change my mindset genuinely and, and call myself in a genuine way instead of believing doom and gloom. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll talk about like perception shifts and how that can be helpful. But for now, we want to mention why schools are closed, why maybe social gatherings are closed, why people are stocking up, why they're not going out. The last thing I would mention as far as panic goes, we want to preemptively talk about masks and gloves and why people are wearing them. And so I tell kids and I tell my own kids, people are going to be wearing masks. Some people wear them because they're worried about getting sick, but they have said, you know, that that's really for the average person. People don't need to be wearing masks. Some people are going to be wearing gloves and that's okay. They just don't want to spread germs or give germs away to other people. And that's just a temporary thing that people are going to be doing. And then I also like to mention that some people have a compromised immune system. So they might already have, um, they don't have enough, what I call fighters in their body um, to fight off things. And so they're going to be wearing masks and gloves to protect themselves a little bit more. So we want to normalize that too, so that kids aren't afraid to just go outside and breathe the fresh air. So those are all in the category of panic and how to reduce panic. It's our job to reduce panic. Um, I did go into how to explain coronavirus to kids in the last episode, how to normalize it. I think it's important to highlight how many people have been surviving this and how kids are not getting it as severely. I think that's a really good thing to still highlight. I don't know if that will continue, but statistically, as of now, as of March 15th, that that's the information we're getting that um, people under 20 are doing perfectly fine with this and kids just are not struggling with this as bad as everybody else. So that's a nice thing to convey to kids. Um, And even if the uh, death rate is 10%, that means still 90% of people are surviving this. Uh, There's a lot of debate over what the death rate is. And they'll continue to debate that. So it was 2%. And then I posted something about it being 2%. And then I got people saying, no, Natasha, it's 6%. I'm like, honestly, does it matter? For starters, just not enough people have been tested so far. So we have a lot of probably pretty healthy people walking around with the coronavirus. <laughs> I know it's kind of a scary thought, but statistically, that they're not being part of the numbers and they're not being tested as of yet. I'm sure all this information will be outdated in a little while, but currently, as of March 15th, 2020, the data is skewed because we're not we're not capturing healthy people who are mildly sick. We're only capturing the very sick people and the percentage of those very sick people who are dying. So the death rate is skewed. But even if we want to be extreme, we can say 90% of the people are surviving. The odds are still really high. We're not talking about a zombie apocalypse, right? They're not knocking down my door and like the odds of me surviving are like 1%. So not like we're going to share all that with, with our kids, but I think letting them know how many people are surviving this and that's very survivable is still a good thing at this point. So, um, moving on some things I think would be really helpful to avoid in general. This is common sense stuff, but I'm not seeing a lot of people. I don't want to say a lot of people. I'm not seeing everybody do this. So news around your kids, especially kids with anxiety and OCD, please stop. (laughs) You know, that's why they make headphones. People use your headphones, read your news, Please 
turn off the news in the living room. And even if you have a cranky partner or grandparent who's living with you, who wants to keep the news on 24 seven for the sake of your child's mental health, please encourage those people, shut it off, watch it on an iPad, watch it on your phone. I'm not saying don't listen to the news, but I am saying we want to protect our kids from being bombarded with this 24 seven. It's our choice if we want to read the news. Um, And we'll get into that when we talk about mind shifting, but we don't need to expose our kids to that. That's just not fair. They don't need to hear it from the news. They can hear it from you. And um, I think it is helpful to update kids on big things that will be impacting them directly. So when my kids' school close, I will tell them when we maybe aren't allowed to go to restaurants or when we're, we're not really doing that right now anyway, but when we're not allowed to leave our house for, I don't know, normal things, then I will tell them that, but I'm only telling them things that are going to impact them directly and not things that are happening all around the world because they don't need to know that at this point. The other thing is watch how you're talking around your kids. So my husband, (laughs) he he's underreactive. So whenever I talk to him about it, he's just like, he thinks I'm crazy. And like, he thinks I'm crazy if I'm just like, buying some Tylenol or some Motrin or like making sure we have like a humidifier. Like he's just like, you're nuts. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. You won't be saying that when you need it, but he, he really doesn't want to talk about it too much. And so unless I'm venting and I'm freaking out, I'm not chatting about this with him, my 16 year old. And I feel like teenagers in general are a little bit weird around this topic, or maybe it's just mine, but she loves talking about this, um, to her, um, it's interesting. It's like the book that she's reading right now. She's reading Stephen King's The Stand. <laughs> Have you heard that book? It's an old book. Kind of weird that she picked up that book maybe like a month ago. And it's like literally the absolute worst book that any kid could be reading because it's a post-apocalyptic book about the army weaponizing a strain of the flu and it's accidentally released and it basically like kills the world. So that's lovely. Um, but there are a lot of, uh, similarities (laughs) happening right now. So her favorite topic is to talk about this partly probably because, uh, I, I don't even want to say that she's anxious about it. I mean, she has an anxiety disorder, but she's not anxious about it. So, and I actually do like talking about it too. I find it kind of therapeutic to kind of talk about it, compare notes. And she's a little bit more of an alarmist than me, but she actually likes that. So it's kind of strange. But, you know, 16-year-olds, they think they're, like, totally untouchable. So yesterday we were walking because I'm trying to – I walk at night anyway, but I'm trying to make it a point to walk more. I want to stay healthy, and I want to be in shape, and I want to air my kids out. So all three of my kids wanted to go for a walk last night, which is totally unusual because normally I I have to beg one person to go with me, and – they used to like walking with me. This is kind of a new thing where like nobody wants to go walking. But last night, all three of my kids were like, I want to walk. So my two little ones got their hoverboards out and they were going to ride their hoverboards. And then me and my 16 year old were just walking behind them and they were pretty far ahead. And she was talking about her book, which I've told her, I don't want to hear about because it really triggers my anxiety. And so it's ironic. I'm telling my 16 year old to stop triggering my anxiety, but I'm like, only talk about real things. So she's talking about this and my kids are hearing it and they're like, they're pretty far away. But my eight-year-old stopped hoverboarding. Is that a verb? Can you do that? And she said, 
um, she's like, can you guys just stop talking about that? And it made me realize that even from that distance where I thought she wasn't paying attention, I thought she wasn't listening, that she was listening. And that happened also yesterday with my son. He's like on his iPad and he's like sitting on the couch and I'm like in the kitchen talking to my husband. And I don't remember what we were talking about. I can't even remember, but it was something about getting something. And on the couch, he was like, why would we need that? And so I didn't even think he was listening. So my whole point in saying this is little ears are listening, even when you think they aren't. So I have to be super aware of what I'm saying and who I'm saying it around, even if they don't seem like they are in earshot or even if they seem like they're not listening. So be, be aware of what you're saying around your kids, which will be really hard, especially as time goes on. And we're all working at home if we're so lucky, right? Or living at home and we're on top of each other more often that our conversations are going to be overheard uh, more than normal. So be aware of that. The last thing I would say under things to not do is I would really try to avoid taking your kids out to the stores and not because of the obvious, because we don't want to, you know, expose them to germs and have them be a carrier to come back to our house, but also because it is very disconcerting. It is very traumatizing for kids to go and see a grocery store with like all their shelves empty or to see everybody walking around with masks and gloves. And it depends on your area, but I think the grocery stores in general, especially the big ones like Walmart or Target, um, probably like your Costco, your bigger grocery stores are going to seem more apocalyptic (laughs) because there's going to be more empty shelves than normal. And that's very shocking not only for us, but for kids. And so if you can avoid taking them to the store, there's really no need for them to go to the store and see that. And so I would avoid that. Maybe in the future, we're going to have different rules and stuff. And it's a moot point, but I think um, don't, maybe the stores will look normal again eventually. But at this point on this day, I would say avoid taking your kids out to the stores. So, okay, moving on from there. Um, let's talk about what life will look like moving forward. So many, many of us are having, uh, our kids stay home. Many of us are going to have jobs where either we're not working for a little while or where, um, we're working from home. And so everything is going to look different. And I would say you want to create a schedule and I have seen some really cool blog posts about the new stay at home schedule. And so a lot of people have started to create a lot of cool things. Um, Scholastic was giving out, I think, free classes online. And so that's very cool. And I will link that in the show notes and on my website. So if you're listening to this, you can go to my website or look in the show notes for that link. And also, as I said, I've seen some bloggers make some really cool suggested routines and schedules. And I like that because then I don't have to think about it. And so I just like, I downloaded one of those and I'm like, done and done this is what we're doing. So um, they're just basic schedules to keep routines. So in my house right now, it's technically spring break. So even though I know something's off and I know something's different and my husband and my 16 year old know something's off and different to my other kids, to my eight and 10 year old, they know what's going on, but this is technically still spring break. So nothing is out of the ordinary as of now. 
We didn't get to travel, but they are just lounging like they normally do on a break or on a weekend. So, but come Monday, once, you know, hopefully their school closes, and I'm saying hopefully because I really don't want them to go to be with a bunch of kids and be in crowds. I feel like it's just irresponsible of the school districts, in my opinion, um, to to spread it, but I won't go on my soapbox on that. But once school is supposed to be back in session, it's important to create a schedule. So some of your kids might be on spring break right now, or they might be on some sort of break, but once they're supposed to be back in school, anxiety, kids with anxiety and OCD really thrive with routine. When we don't have any structure to our day and when um, we don't know what's coming or going and we don't know what to do with ourselves, boredom sets in, OCD intrusive thoughts can set in, anxiety can set in. And so creating a routine, even if it's a very broad general routine, will be really helpful for your kids. So I'm definitely going to be doing that. Um, And I liked the schedules that I saw and I will link those in my show notes and I'll put it on my website as well. Um, and you can always go to my website and at atparentingsurvival.com and this, the latest episode will always be up on the homepage. And so if you're ever wanting to see these resources, you can do that, but I'm definitely going to just print out one of those routines and follow it. They like weaved in academics and then they also weaved in like art or, um, something creative. And then they weaved in relaxation time. And then there was also like outdoor nature time. So I really liked how they kind of touched on some of like, it's not just all work, you know, unless the school district is like, you're doing homeschool and here's the curriculum. Some of us might be having, you know, no support with the school. So we're gonna have to create our own day. And in a perfect world, I wouldn't want my kids to sit there seven hours a day studying and studying things that are just totally school-based. I, you know, I would be much more experiential and hands-on if I were creating the curriculum. <laughs> so I, if I'm not giving any, if I'm not given any direction from the school district, if they're not giving us like homeschooling material and stuff, and I'm creating my own, a lot of it is going to be more experiential. It will be art and music, and it will be creating fun things. And it might be learning how to cook something and life skills. And, and then there might be like a little bit of science or history, but there'll be a lot more other interactive stuff. It'll be kind of interesting. And I'm almost in a weird way, kind of excited about what that will look like. So, um, the last thing I would say about routine is it's really important for us to air our kids out. If they're not quarantined, like who, who would have thought you'd speak like that? If your kids are not quarantined, like what are we living in a sci-fi book? (laughs) That's kind of how I feel right now. But if your kids are not quarantined, then I would definitely make a concerted effort to get them aired out every single day. So for right now, cause we're still quote unquote on spring break, we are going to walk at night that will be offered to them. Um, we just started redoing our backyard. So I'm really excited. I hope it gets finished before nobody actually works anymore. <laughs> See, that's negative, but you know, so even just sitting outside and doing some work or sitting outside and reading a book will be kind of mandatory. Once I create a schedule. I'm not doing anything right now. Like I said, they have the whole week to just totally kick back and relax, but come next Monday, things are going to change over here in the Daniel's house. Okay. So that was about routine. So the last, well, I have two more things I want to talk about. The second to last one is 
that you want to not just believe that what you see is what you get. Like, okay, my child doesn't look like they're upset. So I think we're good to go. I don't need to like circle around and talk about coronavirus again. I don't want to bring it up because they look like they just want to avoid the topic. We really, with our kids who have anxiety and OCD, we don't want to just say, well, my child just skips away and just wants to play. And so I don't think this bothers them. And so I don't think I need to ever talk to them about it. I would, I would urge you to touch base with your child periodically and and tap into any fears they might be having because a lot of our kids are not very expressive about their anxiety or OCD anyway. But with this, they might even be more close-lipped. They might think, oh my gosh, you know what? My parents are already worried. I don't want to add to their worry. Or they might think, I don't want to think about this. And so I'm going to distract myself. We don't want kids to be um, concealing or stuffing their feelings around this because that's not healthy physically or emotionally. I rather know what they're thinking about. So periodically you might say to them, how are you doing with all this change? Right? You don't have to use the word coronavirus if you don't want to, but you could just say, how are you doing with all this change? I know we've had a lot of change right now. How are you coping? And just check in with them. And you might want to say, what's the worst part about all this for you? Right? My favorite question in the world. And we can still use it for coronavirus. So what is the, what's the worst part about this? And what scares you? Does anything, and I, I guess I don't like the word, does anything scare you? Cause I feel like that's an invitation to say no, but I would say, what scares you the most about this right now? And then they might say nothing. I'm fine. And you go, that's good. Cause I know it can be scary for other kids and it's even scary for some adults. So if you are scared, it's totally understandable and normal. And I want you to feel like you can come and talk to me. But if they say, you know, if you say, what's the scariest part about this for you? And they say, well, I'm really worried because you haven't been working or you're not working anymore. How are we bring? how are we bringing money home? How are we able to afford anything? And that's actually a common fear that I'm seeing with the kids I'm working with that not, not all of them are worried about the coronavirus. In fact, I'm surprised that that percentage is really small. Now that might change as people get sick and that's more of what's in the news. But currently as of March 15th, 2020, uh, more of the concern is around the panic that they're sensing from their parents or from the society in general, what they're getting from the news. And a lot of them are worried about the economy and they're worried about their parents not working. And so even if you're worried about it, it's not your job to, to transfer that worry over to your kids. And so, cause it's then you're going to have a whole family of worry. And if your kids are worried about finances then guess what, their anxiety and OCD is going to get shot up to the roof and then they're going to have bigger issues, which is going to stress you out more. So, um, sometimes parents want to be like, just crazy honest with their kids and they're like, well, I'm not going to lie to them and let them know that things are okay when it's not okay. And it's like, well, you know what, you know, being blunt and telling them exactly specifically, like, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not working and I'm really concerned and we have no money in the bank. That's not going to really help your child. So you want to at least convey some sort of support and say, don't worry, that's a grown up thing. And we, we have solutions. We're working on it and we're going to handle it. That's not for you to worry about whatever you have to do to uh, squash their fears. You don't have to make things up, but you just want to give a vote of confidence that you've got this, that you're working on it and that you're handling it. And, and you can leave it at that. So tap into their worry because you might be surprised that it might be about something totally different than what you think they would be worried about. And the other thing I would say, the last thing I want to talk about is how to reframe your thoughts on this and reframe their thoughts on this. And 
I prefer not to fake it till I make it. I am, I am currently really working on my thoughts every day because my, my baseline, to be totally honest with you, my baseline is to totally freak out because I'm an anxious person and I'm kind of a doomsday paranoid person. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what if society ever shut down? Like I already had that paranoia and that fear for, um, like just for fun. <laughs> like That's just like, that's just my general baseline. You know, I was that person in 2000 who like stocked up and had like a Y2K like reserve. That's me. <laughs> and I've had to put that in check and I've put my anxiety much more in check in the last 20 years than, you know, than ever before. And really my anxiety was very, very tiny, but this is very triggering even for me. So nobody's perfect. We're all human, but every day I wake up and I, I, I reframe my thinking. And so it's not a one or done thing for us either. I say what's happening right now. Um, and so I look around and in my place right now, things are pretty normal. Still that might change tomorrow. That might change in two days, but staying in the now of like, what is impacting you currently what's impacting your family. So if your family is healthy right now in this moment, then you focus on that. My family is healthy right now in this moment. We're all doing okay. Yeah. We're at home and that, you know, that kind of sucks. It's different, but at least right now we're all healthy and we're all together. And then if someone is sick, then you say, well, you know what? They're sick, but they're not that, that sick and they're getting through it and we're all going to be okay. I think the key is to really stay in the todays and not in the tomorrows. And trust me, I'm not saying that just to you. I say that to me too, because my brain can go pretty far down that rabbit hole. And then it's not productive because then I'm getting really nervous and I'm feeling like, Oh my gosh, my life is turning upside down the world as we know it. And then I'm panicking and then I can't really not pass that on to my kids because they can sense it. Even if you don't say something anxiety and panic is physically contagious. People can pick up on your energy and it can spread. So we really want to reset and we might have to reset every hour to remind ourselves that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, right? 90% of people right now, according to, it's a lot higher than that, but I just think even 90% of people surviving it makes me feel better. Cause I'm like, well, that's a big statistic. That's, that's not that bad. So whatever you have to do to reframe your thinking is important. I also try to look at the things that I I'm trying to wrap my brain around what my new normal will look like. And I think that's a good thing for you to do as well. Instead of just sitting in panic and thinking about all the things that are changing, just think about what your new normal is going to look like for a little while. And you don't know how long, right? And so it could be a few months and what would that new normal look like? So I have been thinking about all the things that I never have time for like, I am so busy. I spend a lot of time driving my kids to lots of places. Like I'm sure you do. And that takes up a lot of time. And I'm always like, I love to organize. I'm a cleaner and it's not a compulsion. It's more of a, a relief, right? So when it's OCD, it's a compulsion. You're never satisfied. You're doing it over and over again. Uh, when it's anxiety or like the need for control, you like, it's a coping mechanism. Like it brings me relief and calm when things are organized. And because my life has been so busy the last few years doing this online stuff and my private practice, there's drawers that bother me, you know, that I would love to organize there. The playroom is a mess. I would love to organize that. 
And so one thing I'm looking at is like, oh my gosh, that's cool. I'll have so much time to already organize things. The other thing is I never sit and watch Netflix or Hulu. There's like full seasons of episodes and shows that I've never watched because I'm too busy. I work until I go to bed at night. Um, I'm constantly doing things for my website and I never relax (laughs) like ever. It's sad. Yeah. And even at nighttime, I'm always like doing, I'm in bed and I'm doing stuff for AT parenting survival. So I am kind of looking forward to sitting there and watching movies with my kids and catching up on shows that I've always wanted to catch up on reading books that I've never been able to read. Um, and I bought a lot of things to bake because I think baking is such a comfort. So I bought, um, my daughter has celiac. And so I bought a bunch of gluten-free cookie dough mix and cake mix. And so that we can make things together, we could bake things together and that will be fun. Also for Christmas, I bought like a zillion board games and I love games like taboo and like kid versions of games like that, that make you think like what I rather, I bought an escape room book. I'm not an escape room book. I bought an escape room board game. And it's so sad, but a lot of times those things that I buy, they wind up in our, our closet and no one ever even opens them. And then it makes me feel really guilty because I think, I just haven't played with my kids and we have all these games. And yesterday my 16 year old said, mom, do you want to play a game? And I was like, yeah, let's do that tomorrow. Cause it was late, but I was like, let's do that tomorrow. So I'm excited to maybe spend some quality time with my kids and my husband that I don't normally get because I'm normally like running around like a chicken with my head chopped off. So we can't control what's happening, but we can control what we do with it. Just like I say with anxiety and OCD, right? We can't control whether we have anxiety or OCD, but we get to control what we do with it. And it's the same thing for, for this. So instead of getting absorbed in the panic, I'm going to reframe that every time I feel it bottled you know, boiling up, I'm going to reframe that. And I'm going to think of the positive things and how my life is going to look like for a little while and how it's kind of a gift in disguise. It's not something I'd want or ask for, but it's a gift in disguise because it's an opportunity for me to reset and reconnect. So, um, I would say looking at this as a time to connect, to organize, to play, to bake, to watch Netflix and to be with our kids and to slow down those are some silver lining gifts that we're all getting right now. And even if, you know, I've stocked up, even if we get sick, hopefully all we can hope for is that it's not going to be severe. And the, the statistics are the likelihood is that it wouldn't be, you know, deadly and, and severe that we get sick together and then we recover together and then life goes on. And that's got to be my perspective right now because there's nothing else that we can do. So I encourage you to take on that outlook, um, that this is a gift in disguise. It's not a gift that any of us have asked for or wanted, but if you don't make lemonade out of your lemons, then it's just going to be a sour, sour couple of months. And our kids will feel that. And we don't really want that to be the memory of this time. I want it to be a memory of resilience and connection and love. And when my family really, you know, had this amazing time together, little kids will think of this time, hopefully as just the time where my mom and dad and my brother and sisters, we just all spent some really good time together. That's my hope. So who knows, but I hope that these are at least some words of encouragement and it's a day by day thing, even for me. And I have to re 
frame my thinking multiple times a day. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay because we're human. And as long as my kids are doing okay and they see me doing well, that's what counts. So I hope the same for you guys. And I will be back next week on Tuesday. Not sure what I'm going to talk about because, oh, actually I do know what I'm talking about. It's interesting because I interviewed Madeline Levine, who is a New York Times bestseller author who wrote what her latest book is called Ready or Not. And it's ironically, and I interviewed her a while back before this was happening. And I think, I'm trying to think if it was even, I think it was in the news, but it wasn't at this crisis level. And our whole conversation was preparing kids for kind of this unknown future and making them resilient because what, what life will look like in the future is going to be very different than what it does now. So it's a very apropos interview that was recorded when it was not like this. So that is what's coming up next week. So I do know what I'm going to be talking about next week because it's already been pre-recorded. So booyah, (laughs) there's some good news. So, um, before we go, I hope that you're enjoying the show. I hope that you find that I am providing you with some helpful advice. I do have on my website, a link that has, uh, all different articles on how to help kids with the coronavirus. I had participated in a couple of Huffington Post articles about that, one about coronavirus and play um, that I helped with. And then I teamed up with Rini Jane from GoZen, and she did some expert video interviews with some therapists on how to help kids, you know, not be anxious about the coronavirus. So I will leave links to all those things. I also made a kid's YouTube video about how to explain this to kids last week. So I will link all of that in the show notes. I'll also link it on my website so that it's all in one place. I linked a bunch of other ones. The International OCD Foundation did, they have a page on how to help kids through this. And so I will link all of that child mind Institute did one too. So I just, when I see good ones, I grab the link and I add it to my resource page. Um, Unstuck an OCD kids movie has a page that has resources for everybody. So everybody's really rallying together and trying to provide some support. So I will link all of that in my show notes and on my website so that you can see that. So I hope that you are enjoying the podcast If you are enjoying the podcast, you know, even though it's rough times, if you can hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, I appreciate that. Let's other parents know more now than ever, we need online support and we need to stick together. And uh, that's kind of the role I see for myself through this is that not only am I here to help my family, but I'm kind of the voice to help a lot of you because I've been there already for you and I need to continue to be there for you and for your kids on my kids' YouTube channel and be there to support people. So if you have a few extra minutes and you want to leave a review, I always appreciate that. I want to thank Carrie, who wrote Extremely Valuable. I find this podcast to be both entertaining and informative. I enjoy the stories and find the advice so easy to follow. I've read a ton of parenting books, but somehow Natasha manages to convey the information in a way that makes it clear and easily implementable. I've recommended to a lot of my friends. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. And maybe if you leave a review, I'll be reading your review next time. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do, even more so now that the sparkle is harder to find. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.
Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 